There we go. And we are officially live. Welcome everyone to a new episode of The Candy Shop. I am your host, Raul Reitz. I have a very special guest with me here today. Uh, welcome, Colin, to The Candy Shop. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Uh, I, like I mentioned backstage, this is actually a do-over. Do -over. Wow, not doer. It's a do-over. Uh, we actually had this conversation. Was it last week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy how it like. I, I was watching it back and I was cracking up and I was like, people need to see this live. They need to enjoy <laughs> it, you know, for the first time. Um, so for the viewers and the listeners, can you uh, first like introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your work? Absolutely. Um, I am Colin Brooks. I am an author. Uh, I live here in, uh, well, not so sunny today, uh, Orlando, Florida. Um, I have written, uh, in 2021, I came out with my debut novel, paint um now available basically everywhere um i've also <laughs> i have um a short story uh that's been published in limoncello magazine um this year as well called white as snow um so i i mostly work with fiction but i'm a writer i love that uh so we're just gonna like go like dig not dig in it's like you know just dive in there you go that's the correct way uh, when it comes to paint, do you mind summarizing the story for us without revealing too much? Yeah, so um, paint follows our main character Tucker um, as he moves out of his small town um, in Florida for the first time and moves away for college. Um, and uh, this is his first time on his own. So it's all about him learning how to navigate the real world as a now adult, he's 18, um, and uh, come into his queerness um, and uh, discovering the, the LGBT community um, in a larger city um, and uh, discovers drag in the way and um, has to juggle school with it. When it comes to drag culture, by any chance have you done drag? I did, yes. I still do occasionally, um, but I, I used to do it a lot more a few years ago. Um, and uh, my drag mother, uh, Nikki Monet, she was on Slag Wars, if anyone saw that, um, she is, um, well, she's one of my favorite queens still, and she was the inspiration for one of my characters in my book, actually. Uh, and how was that? Like, I've always wondered, like, how what does it feel like when you get into the drag? It's so fun. Um, it's different for everyone. For me, I just think of it, it's performance, it's theater, you know, it's um, part of it is gender expression, sure, but um, it's just fun for me to get up into a costume and, uh, you know, feel my femininity and do the paint, um, the makeup, because that's the closest I can get to art um, and doing good at that. Uh, but it's a lot of fun getting on stage and um, just performing a song that you love in front of people that are screaming and cheering for you and giving you free money. So I, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> that does sound like a lot of fun. What's your go-to song that you lip sync to? Um, I don't have a, a song that I've repeated, uh, but I think my, my first song I ever did was Peacock by Katy Perry. That was my debut song and that's a fun one. Wow, you went for you went in for the oh, first yes. one. Yes. Oh yes. So innuendos, it's like right <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. Uh so I want to talk a little bit about your writing. Um uh, do you consider yourself a pantser or a plotter? Um if I had to choose one or the other, I would say I'm definitely more of a plotter. Um I think of myself a bit more as a, a planter, a mix of both. I'm a healthy I'm a healthy mix. I like to know where I'm going. Um, but in the meantime, I don't have to flesh out every single detail and can kind of discover as I write, but I do definitely tend to have an outline. I like that. When it comes to paint, 
how many drafts did you have to go through before you're like, this is it. I don't have to go back in. I nailed it. Um, I think by the end it was draft seven is what um, I published. Uh, it actually started as a screenplay. So I guess if we call that draft zero, um, but for the, the actual book itself, yeah, I, I wrote about seven drafts. And this was over the coast, the coast, over the course of uh, a year, or was it over the course of months? It was about a year, a year yeah. and maybe a month, I think, in total, from when I first started uh, writing the book to when it was published in May of 2021. Did you give yourself like a deadline that you're like, I'm, I have to like, this is my deadline, or were you like, as it starts going, I'll like, I guess I'll pick a date. In the beginning, I didn't have a date in mind, but once I finished my first draft and was like, oh my God, I actually wrote a book, I should probably think of when I'm going to put it out. Um, I did give myself a deadline. Um, it, so I, it came out on May 14th, which is actually my birthday. So I share my birthday with my book birthday. I thought that would, that would be fun. And um, yeah, so that's, that was my deadline. How did you celebrate on, when it was released? Um, I took the day off from work, so I wasn't working, <laughs> um, but it was uh, just very low key. It was still in the height of the pandemic, so I didn't really do much. I hung out with my pets and my partner and just celebrated um, having um, a book out and being 20, I turned 25. So that was a big year. I think we're the same age, right? Are you 26? I'm turning 26 this year. Okay, so I'm older than you by months. Well, when's your birthday? May, right? May? I'm November, so turning 26, I'm turning 27. Yeah, it's we're close to age, close to the same age. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the cover because it is a very pretty cover. Thank and you. for those list for those listening, there we go. We got to get the angles. It's an illustrated cover, and it features the main character Tucker looking at his reflection, and in his reflection is him in drag. Uh, who designed the cover? So it was designed um, by my friend Candace Neal, who is an incredible artist. She has designed um, a few different things for me. Um, and she's just a fantastic artist. I was really lucky to get to work with her. Um, we actually worked together at my previous day job, um, which is how we met. And I just, I discovered her art and I thought she was absolutely incredible. And so I was really lucky that she wanted to work with me on this. I just got to tell you, this the cover is very stunning. I like the... It shows all the sides to Tucker. Obviously, they show him out of drag and they show him in drag, but they also it also features the textbooks, which is a very big thing in the book that he's in college. So it has like all of them, and they're like best of, like best of both worlds kind of situation. Mm -hmm. uh, when it came to writing this, you just mentioned that it was a screenplay before. What was it about paint that you're like this has to be novel? Um, I, so I wrote the, I, I wrote the first act of the screenplay, um, for a class while I was in college at UCF. Um, and I just thought it was a fun idea at the time and I shelved it. Um, and life got in the way for a long time. And to be honest, I kind of forgot about it. So, um, when the pandemic really forced us all to stay home, um, I wanted to still be productive. Um, you know, I was furloughed from my job for a little bit, so I just had free days to do whatever I wanted, and I wanted to feel some sort of productivity. Um, so that was uh, about the time that I dug up my manuscript um, and rediscovered the idea. And um, when thinking about it, it was something that I had never seen in literature before. Um, I don't see a lot of books that have to do with drag. Um, there's, of course, a lot of academia, a lot of LGBT stories that we're very fortunate to have out in the world now. But I thought that this was one that I had never seen before, and um, I really wanted to, to put it out there. So, and maybe someone would enjoy it. 
I did. I talked about this last time, how I uh, finished it in one sitting, and I cracked a little joke saying that I had to get up and get coffee, so <laughs> technically it was two, uh, which is very true. I There's books that just, like, hook you right away. And for this being your debut, like, how many beta readers did you have to get for, for um to be, like, the, like people are actually um, vibing with this? Um, I had, well, first of all, thank you very much. Um, I had, I think one, two, I think I had three beta readers, uh, read, uh, various iterations of it. Um, and I took their notes and I said, yeah, give it to me straight, hurt my feelings, be that honest. And, um, and they did. I was very fortunate that my friends didn't hold any punches and it, it, it helped me a lot to develop the story. Yeah. I feel like sometimes you have to be honest with your friends. I, it's, it's, great that you want to help them out but it's like you have to be honest that's mm -hmm. when it comes to writing you just can't hold back mm -hmm. um you did mention that your drag mother inspired one of the characters but was anybody else an inspiration for any of these characters um there are bits and pieces of some of my friends back home um, because I too grew up in a small town. Um, this isn't about me. The story is not about me, um, but I definitely wrote what I knew. So I took inspiration from uh, my friends and took bits and pieces of them and, and put them into characters like Kiara and um, Tucker's friends from back home that we got to see glimpses of. So they were definitely um, inspired a little bit by my friends, but mostly they were completely made up. I really enjoyed the character of Kiara because the fact that she disagreed with Tucker and like with certain things, it's true. That's very realistic. You're not going to agree with your friends on everything. Mm -hmm. And you do have to kind of like check them when they're like not doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to Tucker, I noticed that he falls in love quickly. Was that intentional or were you like, it just happened? Um, it was. I wanted to kind of show there was nothing for Tucker um, in his town. There was the not to spoil anything, but there was the the tinglings of something that maybe could have happened but never did um, back home. But he had never really experienced any sort of, you know, flirtation, attraction uh, geared towards him from um, other men. So when he moved to the big city and he started getting that attention, I, th I wanted it to be realistic and kind of go to his head and just, you know, insta love for um, these random strangers that he was seeing. That's what cracked me up a lot. I, when I reviewed it, I was like, someone could literally open the door for him and he's in love already. He's like, mm -hmm. oh, did you open the door? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, last time we talked about David. Yes. And how David is like this like knight in shining armor, but he's a very, very protective character. And there's something about characters like David that just create this sense of safety in stories like this. Uh, was there, and was that out of necessity that you're like, this story cannot be somber, this is going to be like a happy-go-lucky kind of story, very fluffy, cutesy? Was David created out of that necessity? Um, not David. I did have the intention with my story of not going down the um, more tragic route that uh, some other queer stories go down, and there's absolutely a place for that um, in literature, and it, it reflects in a lot of people's real lives. Um, but in mine, I didn't want to go down that route. Um, so the story itself, that was intentional, but having David kind of be that um, that saving grace to keep it lighter and fluffier and, and that romance aspect, um, it that wasn't my intention. I'm glad it came off that way, absolutely. But that uh, he wasn't written out of necessity for that tone in the book. There's also this character that we meet in a club that kind of, I feel like if he represented 
that side of the queer community where everything is super sexual and hypo is hypersexual sexualized mm -hmm. and it's sad because that does happen in real life where like these young these young men are like seduced i guess is that the word with like by older men and it's like they all have experience but you're like you're new to things and you're so easily swayed into things um there's this one scene that really was very and it was dark but like in a way that it was like it had to be told is this part where he gets out of a car and he's walking down the street and david picks him up and it was so sad to me uh what inspired that like what's that what came out of it that um I didn't have any real life inspiration for that. Uh, I did want to show, absolutely, that was my intention to show that side of the queer community. There are many facets to all of us. Um, I myself growing up, um, there I had no representation really on TV of gay people. Um, I also grew up in a small town, so there weren't any gay people. So to get my gay education, I was on Grindr at like, 14, 15, not doing anything, not illegal, but I, you know, that was my first experience was something that is typically deemed sexual. Um, and uh, that's the case for a lot of people. So I wanted to show that, uh, you know, Tucker coming to the big city um, and experiencing that um, himself. And in that situation, um, again, wasn't uh, really from any personal inspiration, but it is, um, you know, it happens. People get kicked out of bed all the time. And, you know, people, uh, certain people only want one thing. And if that's Communicate, communicated clearly, that's absolutely fine. Um, but in that situation, um, it wasn't. And uh, it just made for a juicy story at that part, honestly. It did. It was very, <laughs> very right, very juicy. I was like, oh my God. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about your, like the, your writing style. Like to you, what craft element do you think you excel at and which one do you think you need to improve on? Um, great question. I think the the thing that I'm the most confident in um, is my dialogue. Um, I went to school wanting to be a playwright, and when writing plays, there's it's all dialogue. That's how you tell the story. There's some stage directions, but it's it's mostly just in the words. Um, so I have a lot of practice with that, and um, I'm sure I I can always improve. Absolutely, um, but that's what I feel the most confident in. And the thing on the flip side of that, again, going to college, um, focusing on the playwriting and not so much on the um, the literature aspect, is um, just the uh, the details that go into every scene and making sure that it's not like the white room syndrome. And I'm I'm clearly communicating um, the story itself and showing, not telling. Um, so it's it's the it's the flip side of that. But I'm getting better, and I think I did it. A-okay and paint. <laughs> yes, you did an amazing job. I want to talk about your screenwriting. Uh, first of all, what's the biggest difference between writing a novel and writing a play? For those who don't know, like myself. Um, the biggest difference, I think, comes from, again, how you tell the story in the script, at least. Um, when it's portrayed on stage or on screen, um, obviously there's a director there to kind of really bring it out. Um, but again, the focus is really on the dialogue to tell the story. Um, there are different scene changes, of course, but it's it's very different how you go from scene to scene than you see in a book. Um, it's um, for, for my place that I wrote, at least, um, you know, you have the scene, it, it gets resolved or it doesn't. And it's very clear when the scene ends, you black out, pick up again on the next scene. But um, when it comes to literature, it's not always that uh, cut and paste like that, that black and white. Um, so that's, I think, the biggest difference in storytelling between um, playwriting or screenwriting and uh, writing a book. 
uh, we've recently found out that you one of your plays is getting produced. Uh, how where were you? What were you doing when you got the news? Um, so I was home. I was home alone and uh, checked my email. Um, the play is called uh, A Play About a Boy. It's a 10 minute play that is being produced um, by Mad Lab Theater in Columbus, Ohio. So if you're in Ohio by any chance, you should go see it. Um, and uh, it was something completely unexpected. I had submitted the play for consideration in July of 2020. Um, and the theater had reached out to me, um, I believe in early 2021 to say, we're postponing because of COVID, we'll get back to you, we're not leaving you hanging but I have the memory of a goldfish, so I completely forgot. So that email was uh, a, a fantastic surprise. It was really reaffirming because I have bad imposter syndrome. So it was, it was, um, it was really nice to, to see. I like that. Um, are you going to go to Ohio by any chance and go see it? Are you planning on I would love to if I could. It depends on what it is. Uh, my day job, I am a high school teacher, so um, I am typically booked and can't get days off because I'm teaching every day. But um, if, if the stars aligned, I would absolutely love to be there. That would be really incredible. Is there like, are you getting any like revenue from it or like, or what's happening with that situation? If you don't mind answering it. Uh, yeah, I don't mind. Um, I am honestly not clear on the details just yet. I'm still waiting to sign the contract. Uh, they just sent the the original confirmation email saying that I was chosen. They told me when I could announce it that I had been chosen. Um, so I, I yelled it out into the universe for everyone to hear my good news. Um, but I, I don't know the specifics just yet. You, you mentioned you're a high school teacher. Do you know by any chance of any of your students have read paint? I hope not. Uh, I teach freshmen and I don't think it is appropriate. I did have some students find my book this week. I don't know how it came up in conversation in class in the beginning of the week, but um, it did that I was a writer and I'd written a book. And by the end of the week, a couple of kids in one of my periods was like, Mr. Brooks, I found your book. And I was like, okay, do not read it. I'm telling you, it is not, it is for, it is new adults. It is 18 and up. It says it online. If you read it, um, I'm not going to get in trouble for it. Wow. Boundaries. I love that. It's, it's your, you have a, do you have a different name between what Colin Brooks or is that your actual name? Yeah, that's my, that's my oh. name. Um, I didn't want to do a pen name. Um, I don't know. It was very uh, narcissistic of me. If I'm going to write a book <laughs> and credit. people are going to read it, I want them to know who I am. Yeah. I, love <laughs> I want credit. I want everybody to know who it is. Exactly. I feel bad for people who have to like um, abbreviate their names or like put like, like you know like initials mm -hmm. especially with like women when it comes to like fantasy I like, know. that is such a fucking bummer oh i hit the desk um i do want to ask about inspirations what inspires you does music inspire you does film tv shows what inspires you um uh, it's been a little bit of everything that's inspired me um i have another short story that i wrote that is inspired by um a song um it's called polka dots and moonbeams it's very pretty it's it's an old song um but uh, i really i really like the song and i just listened to it about a million times and then a story popped into my head so i wrote it um I, my short story that's posted in limoncello magazine which is the summer issue in case anyone's curious called white as snow um it was based on the prompt you know it was um I, I thought of the prompt and what it could mean and um, just develop the story. Paint, of course, came from um, some real life inspiration. Again, writing what I knew, but still fictionalizing everything. Tucker is not me. Um, so it depends. I can I can find it in just about anything. That. Were you listening to any kind of music while writing paint? Like you have a soundtrack. 
Um, not while writing it. I think I made one afterward. Um, music, I love to listen to music, but um, I have ADD, so sometimes I can't listen to music while I write with lyrics at least because then I just focus on the music and I can't write. Um, so I don't typically listen while I write, but I do like to make um, like playlists. I do them for my plays as well. I like to incorporate music into my stories. Um, so I like to make playlists that go along with the, the feel of it. If Pink can have a theme song, what would that song be? Ooh, um, if it had a theme song, it would be... You know what it would be? It would be Say Something by Kylie Minogue. That's what it would be. Have you ever heard it? Her disco album? That's from Magic, right? Is it, oh, no, mm -hmm. it's called Disco. The, the album's called Disco. Yeah, Disco. Magic's mm -hmm. Yeah, Say Something. Okay, I know what you're talking about. I heard it on Never Never Have I Ever. Oh. Ah. It's on that show. It's the last song they play on season two. I really love it. Um, where's the, where are you at? Inspiration. Okay, um, right here. Here it is. We're going to play Rapid Fire. We played this okay. before, but I have them all together this time and I will mess it up. All right, the rapid fire questions. Music or silence? Silence. Ebook or physical? Ebook. Plotter or pantser? Uh, plotter. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Cliffhanger or told all? Um, told all. I like to wrap it up in a nice little bow. I love that. Some people would be playing too much. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question would be, do you feel like it's most important to have A, strong characters, B, a mind-blowing plot twist, or C, epic settings? Um, I think for me, at least, characters are most important. They're what I am drawn to in a story in any books that I'm reading. Um, uh, because not every story is going to have huge plot twists and that's okay because not every story calls for it um and some uh you know uh, settings and things like that are set in contemporary cities and things like that or small towns and it's not always you know awe-inspiring but in every story you need to have strong dynamic characters so for me characters i love that i love everything i keep saying i love that i just like <laughs> i agree i i might have a coworker who says of course after everything so i was like <laughs> i say i love it for you, for to you, for you, one of those two, what was the hardest part of the writing process? For me, sorry, I had to wet my whistle. Um, <laughs> for me, the hardest part of the writing process, I think, was um, revisions. I, it was tough to, to um, you know, see it to the end. Uh, just because it felt like it was going on forever, even though it's a it's pretty short, I think, compared to some other books. Um, but revisions were really hard um, because I just I wanted it to be perfect before I put it out into the world. And um, I had to learn that it will never be perfect. Um, I heard from someone else on Twitter, I forgot who said it, um, but I was asking advice about how do you know when you're done? And uh, they told me that, uh, you know, you're done when you read your drafts over and over and over um, until you just can't anymore. And uh, that's when I was new and I was done, but I, I revised quite a bit and it was um, a lot of work, a lot of different ideas thrown in at the last second, but for, for the greater good. Would you consider yourself a perfectionist? Yes. Um, as close as I can. I also recognize that nobody's perfect. Nothing's going to be perfect, but anything that has my name attached to it, I want it to be as good as it can be before turning it in, putting it out to the world, whatever it is. 
yeah, there's this sense of quality when you pick up the book. It just feels like a, I was going to say, it feels like a real book. It is a real book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like something you would find at Target, like in the YA section. Like I can see this next to books. Uh, have you seen your book out in the wild by any chance in any store? I haven't. Um, uh, it's on Barnes and Noble, like their website, uh, but I've never seen it in the stores. I think even though it's it's through them, I have to contact inv- individual stores to um, to stock it. Uh, so I wanted to do that. The one nearest to me uh, closed, uh, so I don't have any near me anymore. Um, but I still want to do that because I I would love to to get my books physically in stores. I think that's the next step. This was a self-published. This is a self-published book. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was that? How has that journey been so far for you? Um, it was, I think, ideal for me. I had seen, I did a lot of research, um, and there were pros and cons to both traditional publishing versus self-publishing. Um, but for me, and what I wanted with this book, I wanted it to be put out on on my terms. I still wanted it to be the best that it could be. I, I hired a professional editor um, and things like that to make sure that it was still quality books that I was putting out. But um, self-publishing was uh, ideal for me. It was a lot of work. I became a one-man band. I did uh, basically everything myself except for the cover design um, and the initial copy editing. Again, I had someone do that, but I did a lot of self-editing. I did marketing. Um, uh, formatting everything so it was it was tough but it was uh, really rewarding was would you say the the process was stressful at times it could be um especially having a full day job and trying to to get a book out there and trying to um make other people aware of it and trying to learn how to to market and um you know make it visible and um figuring out the ins and outs of the financial things of, um, you know, if I were to make any money on this, like, how do I, how do I do it? How can I get it places? Um, so it could be stressful to, um, behind the scenes, but, uh, it, it was definitely worth it. After releasing pain, that must have felt like weight off your shoulders. Is there any genre that you would like to dip your toes in? Uh, yes, it was definitely a weight off my shoulders. Um, any genres I haven't done yet. Um, uh, maybe like urban fantasy or like paranormal romance. I really love, I've always loved stories with magic and um, paranormal creatures and things like that. So I have a, uh, a very early work in progress that's been on my computer for a little bit. So hopefully you'll see the light of day, not before too long. Nice. Uh, speaking of, I did want to ask you a silly question. Mm-hmm. It can be any vegetable. What vegetable would you be? <laughs> A vegetable, um, a cucumber, because they are um, really crisp and refreshing and juicy, just like me. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my next question would be, what does success mean to you? Success to me, um, To me, I think success is having my name out there. I would love to to do this full time. I think I'm successful now. I published a book. I am successful. Um, if I were to achieve my dream, that kind of success, it would be becoming a full time writer, being able to to survive comfortably off of um, you know earnings and uh, being well known for the right reasons. Um, that would be success for me. I was gonna say I love that. I was not. I was like, <laughs> do you have any favorite queer books that was released like this year? Well, not technically not this year. It's twenty twenty two, twenty twenty one. 
I have answers for both years. I have answers for both. So in 2021, um, I really loved uh, Jamie Bean's Untouched. Um, She just won a Queer Indie Award. So congratulations, Jamie. Um, I also really loved Ali Theron's Magic in Manhattan series. It was really good. Uh, Those are my favorites from 2021. Um, And 2022 so far, I have been devouring TJ Klune's um, Green Creek series. It's uh, paranormal romance, very queer, um, witches and werewolves and all that stuff. It's really good. I love that. I spit. Oh, you gotta stop saying <laughs> I love that every time I talk. It's just worth some having. You see how I struggle with these things. Uh, I love. I was gonna say I love that. Is there one thing that people might not know about you that they'll kind of like you would like to share? Um. Well, I was gonna say that I've done. I, I I've done my homework. I used to do drag, but you beat me to the punch. Um. I. Something that someone else might not know about me, I already said I was a teacher, Um, I'm a Taurus, um, and I share my Taurus birthday with my brother, who is exactly three years uh, and 12 hours apart from me. Is it on the same day or is it like the next day already? Uh, It's the same day. So I was May 14th, 1996, 8.11 p.m. And he was born three years later, May 14th, um, 99, 8.11 a.m. So literally like 12 hours and three years on the dot. That's crazy. I would have been like, oh, you should have waited. I don't want to share my birthday. It sucked growing up. But I mean, it's fine now. It's whatever. Yeah. yeah, You're like, now that you can actually split him up, it's, it's okay. It's okay. If you can describe your main character in three words, what would those three words be? To describe Tucker in three words, he is um, excitable, naive, and gay. <laughs> like perfect mix, perfect mix. If, oh, sorry, I want to talk about the audiobook because there's no audiobook for it yet. Is that a yet, or are you not gonna do it at all? It's a yet. It's um, a yet. I am looking into the process. <laughs> I would love to do it um, to really like give it the time it needs. I may have to wait until summer break for me to, to really like dig in. Um, but I have started looking into, uh, you know, what it takes to to record and edit that because I, I would still love to do it myself. Um, but it's a not yet. I don't know when, but it's not a never. It's not a, are you going to narrate it yourself or do you, are you going to find someone to do it for you? I would like to narrate it myself. Interesting. Narrate it by the author. You don't see that up then anymore. Especially with, when it comes to self-pub. I want to talk about your writing schedule. What does it look like? You you seem like you're very busy. I just yes. feel like you have that busyness energy to you. So what does it look like? It is uh, very sporadic. Um, a lot of times it's when inspiration strikes. Sometimes I need to make myself, like when I, I check my calendar and I'm like, oh, it's been two and a half weeks since I've written a word. Um, I'll force myself to sit down and try and get something out. But a lot of times it's when inspiration strikes. So um, for paint... Uh, I can say this because I don't work for this job anymore. Um, I was working from home a lot. So if it was a slow day, um, I spent a lot of time working on paint and writing it then. And uh, that was a lot of the reason that I was able to crank it out in about a year um, with with so many revisions and drafts and things like that. Um, But now, especially being a teacher, it's... uh, a lot of weekends, um, maybe if the kids are testing and I've done walked around the room and there's nothing for me to do, I'll sit down and try and crank out a, a sentence or two, but it's mostly weekends whenever I can. Do you remember that first moment that you realized that you wanted to become a writer? 
Um, the first moment, I don't, I don't remember. I was, I wanted to, that was one of my first dreams as a kid. The first job I ever wanted was a meteorologist. But after that, um, I wanted to be a writer for a really long time. And, um, I was in, you know, middle school trying to write a book and it was complete garbage, but I was so proud of it. And, um, you know, I was on Wattpad. I threw my stories out there. So I grew up wanting to be a writer. Um, it was just in high school and college that, um, I kind of drifted away from it. Reading became a chore and something I was forced to do. And I really kind of drifted away from books, but, um, after that, I, I rediscovered my love for literature. Do you, do you have any like piece of advice that was like essential to your like growth as an author that just like struck a chord with you? Yeah. So it sounds really simple, but something that really struck me was um, the idea that first drafts are going to suck no matter who you are first drafts are not going to be good. So do not let that deter you. Do not um, edit as you go because you will never finish, but just girl, just write the book, just write the draft, be done, and then go back and look at what you have and just build on it. Thanks. Do you know what NaNoWriMo is? I do. Yes. I have, you have participated. I have tried to commit to it and then, um, didn't do a single day. It's happened a few <laughs> times, but I love the idea. I would love to do it. Um, I just have not. Are you like the type of person who doesn't like to be pressured to write a certain like amount? Yeah, I can't do it. Those people that wake up at three in the morning to write 5,000 words every morning. Amazing. Great for you. I'm not that kind of girl. Um, I, as soon as someone tells me I have to do something, I'm for, I have to read this book. I have to write these words. I don't want to do it. It's yeah. just what I am. It's, this reminds me of like the booktubers who do like the 24 hour, uh, like they read alongs or whatever, like they read for 24 hours. I tried to do something like that yesterday, but like not filming it, just trying mm -hmm. to see. And it was like four o'clock in the morning and I was reading Hania Yanagahara's new book to paradise, which mm. is part of a vlog that I am vlogging. It's just like, I'm not going to vlog everything. And I was like, who the hell stays up this late? Just reading. <laughs> like, I, was, I had fun reading Antifa Splatterpunk, but I was like, this one feels like more like during the day kind of read. It's like mm. I would, I'm not gonna read it just to to film this. I'm sorry, y'all gonna get a video, but not this one. <laughs> uh, Andreas wanted to ask: To become a teacher, did you study literature? And if so, were there themes you were able to? Dis uh, sorry, were you able to focus on? Um, I did. So when I was at UCF, um, I actually graduated with two bachelor's degrees. One was in English with a focus on creative writing, and the other was in theater studies, um, which is just like a general theater education. So I got to learn a bit about everything. Um, it was teaching was not something that I set out to do. Uh, like when I went to college or even right after I did a lot of different, you know, customer service jobs. Um, I really wanted to kind of pay the bills however I could while I tried to become a playwright. But that is very hard, very competitive, um, especially during the pandemic. We're on year three, it's not looking good for theater. Um, so I did study literature. It was more so, not so much on, we, we read a lot, but I focused as much as I could on the, the writing aspects of it. I was really interested um, in playwriting. UCF didn't have a degree in that, so I kind of crafted my own between theater and English. So I took a lot of like screenwriting classes um, and um, I took some fictional classes as well. It was a lot of short story writing, um, but I, so long story long, yes, I did study literature in college. Um, themes that I was able to focus on. Um, 
nothing in particular. I read a lot of different stuff. I read um, a bit of fantasy, like N.K. Jemisin's um, The Fifth Season. I'm not a huge fantasy person, but I love that book. Um, I read, you know, Jane Eyre, um, stuff like Ancillary Justice, um, which didn't really jump out at me, but I read a bit of everything. Especially in college. I think it's funny how they, like, they give you a list of, like, books you read, and you're like, oh, my fucking God. Mm -hmm. Do you read all of this? And it's like, I guess once you make it like a like a chore, like a homework assignment, it just like takes the fun out of it. Exactly. Like, I'm a big avid reader. Do you consider yourself an avid reader? I do. Yeah. I um when I'm really into a book, I can just zone out, lose track of time, and just devour the whole thing. That's what um, I've done with T.J. Klune's series. You ask who stays up to four o'clock reading? I did reading the first book. Um, so I can when I love the book. But again, as soon as someone tells me I have to read something, it's the last thing I want to do. I feel you, especially when they're like, oh, you got to read these many books, like, in a year. Like, yeah, what's your what's your reading goal this year? I don't have one. I Maybe I'll set one, because it's still the first uh, first month of the year. Um, I don't have one right now. Maybe two. I want to read at least 50 books. You heard it here first. <laughs> I got the exclusive, guys. You guys heard it. Uh, yeah, it's my, I, my last year one was, like, 80, and I did 90. This year, it's 100, and I already did, like, 12. I'm chilling. Nice. Yeah, I was like, okay, fuck it up. Let's live it up. Uh, what's your favorite writing trope? Um, enemies to lovers. I'm a sucker for a good romance story, Me so <laughs> I love enemies to lovers. I'm working on one right now. Um, so hope you're not rolling your eyes too hard if you don't like it. Um, but yeah, that's my favorite trope. What's your favorite enemies to lovers book? Right, like that you've read recently? Um, I really loved. There are two. I really loved, um, I can't remember the author's name right now, but Conventionally Yours, um, I thought was really cool. It was something different. It was um, very nerdy. Um, it had to do with like um, a gaming convention and like cards and things like that. Um, it was like a mix of like Magic the Gathering and stuff like that. But I thought that was a really cool take. Um, and I also really enjoyed Casey McQuiston's Red, White, and Royal Blue. We talked about this last time, how I was like, I needed more conflict out of that. That was too smooth. Um, I was hoping you would say The Hating Game. That's a really good one. Have you read that one? I haven't yet. I've heard so much about it. It's on my to-be-read list. I have not read it just yet. There's a movie now with Lucy Hale. It's amazing. It's a good movie. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't know there was a movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's very um, cheesy in a good way. Uh, <laughs> like, a, like I'm over here sharing my favorite ones. Uh, another one would be like The Spanish Love Deception. Have you heard about that one? I've heard of that one, too. Yeah, my bitches was on TikTok, and, like, I went down, like, the booktube side of things, and everyone's like, oh, it's a good story, blah, blah, blah. It is. I give it five stars. But it's funny because, like, most of the story was, like, 50 first dates. And in the third act, it went to, like, 50 shades of gray. Like, oh, yeah. It got really, like, sexual and very, like, steamy, and I was like, what the fuck? He was fingering <laughs> things, and he was grabbing things, and she was stroking things. And putting things in her mouth, and I was like, "Holy mother, loving Jesus!" They were at a buffet. They were, yeah, they were eating. Yep. They said, mm -hmm. "I'm on the menu." Yes. Bon appetit. <laughs> <laughs> I was cracking up because I was at work. <laughs> I was crying. <laughs> I was laughing about like it was so. You know, you can hear your you can hear it, right, but it's like nobody else can hear it. But I was like, "Oh my god!" Uh -huh. I get so it. paranoid. Someone's gonna catch me. The way he's like, oh, "I'm rubbing her," like. The meow meow, you know, I was like, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That one caught me by surprise. I was like, 
why do people like this? I mean, I enjoyed it, but like, why do people like this? I want to talk about uh, sex positivity. Your book didn't really feature like steaminess. Was that like a conscious decision or you're like, I was trying to play it safe in the first one and I'm going to make it more steamy in the sequel. Um, oh, so there's a sequel. Okay. Uh <laughs> oh, no. I'm signing you up right now. There's a sequel. <laughs> Sorry, you heard it here. You heard it here, guys. Exclusive. Um, it was I guess a bit of a conscious decision. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, there's a lot of I've I've read a lot of lo books like that. Um, and I wanted a little bit, um, but I don't know. It's not that I shied away from it. I'm just not the most I don't have a lot of experience writing it. I didn't feel the most comfortable doing it because if I'm gonna include it, I wanted to do it well, and I didn't want it to be cheesy or written poorly and tasteless. Um, so um, I I enjoy. I thought there was a little bit of steam, um, but leaving stuff to the imagination still, and I was okay with that. Yeah, I feel like I've always wondered, always wondered how people like sit down and write something like that. It's like, very impressive. Yeah, so I was like. And the fact that some people were like, is this physically possible? Can someone do these, like, moves? <laughs> I, uh, I was reading this book. I can't say which one it is. But it was like, there was like this leg situation. And I was like, that's a flexibility. And that's a flexibility. <laughs> I love that. Love that for them. Um, I was, I'm always wondering, like, do you think they drink or something? Like, just take a shot or something to loosen up? Like maybe i feel like especially if they do it quite often i imagine writers are just like stone-faced just like cranking out a sex scene yeah like it's it, nothing the thing about those like scenes it, there's a really thin fine line that you could cross easily into cringiness mm. we talked about cringiness last time adam silvera Ooh, you said it live and i said it live you know girl you're a hater i'm a gay. <laughs> I, it's just, you know, when you invest so much money in somebody's work and, like, they continuously let you down, you're like. Adam, if you're watching, I don't share these opinions <laughs> with Raul. <laughs> what, weren't you saying backstage that you're <laughs> just kidding? Imagine. I just throw you under the bus. <laughs> uh, no, it's like Becky Albertellian. She put me in the worst reading slump, but she, like, redeemed herself with this latest release. Have you read um, What If It's Us? Like, that's the first one. I haven't. Um, I've seen it a lot on my social media lately. I watched um, your review. I think it was of the sequels, the one yeah, you reviewed? Yeah, it's about the yeah. sequel. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I've heard a lot about it. Um, I have been a fan of the work I've read of Adam Silvera's, unlike some people on this podcast. Um, so I'll, I'll have to check it out, but I have not read it yet. Yeah, it's 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 okay. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> it's I. She I. She's cute or whatever. Uh, if you can compare paint to any like movie, like if you can say my book is like a mixture of this this movie and this movie, what movie would it be? Ooh, um, it's a uh... okay. So it's like if um, Love Simon, Tu Wong Fu, and um. Uh, 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 what's that movie? Um, that love movie with Jake Gyllenhaal and Emma Stone and Steve Carell. What is that? Love Actually? No. Whatever mm -hmm. that one is. I that movie. That, but it's I, like I the three of them talking. got together and had a baby and that's paint. I think I, yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about. 
Yes, yes, yes. Crazy Stupid Love. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was it Ryan Gosling. Yeah, it was Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Wait, did yeah, I say Jake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's the white guys. Yeah, I was like, that is not it. I want to ask a little bit more about your experience self-publishing before I let you go. Mm-hmm. What is the best advice and what is the worst advice someone in, like in the community has given you? Um, I didn't get a ton of bad advice. Um, I did get, uh, I looked a lot into um, different options for like going exclusively through KDP with Amazon or like um, widening uh, your audience to different um, uh, 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 brands, I guess you could say, um, different um like Barnes and I can't think of the word and I'm a writer. Huh? Um, but like Amazon versus, you know, having it with Barnes and Noble and the eBooks and all that. Um, so that was really helpful also with, um, third party publishers, uh, like Ingram, Ingram spark that a lot of people use, um, just kind of seeing them do it first before I did it. Um, it was very helpful. I messaged um, Jamie uh, being about it actually, because I know that she had done it um, through the third party uh, distributor. And um, there were definitely some highs and lows that were reported not to air Jamie's business. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all been very helpful. The worst advice that I got, um, I didn't get a lot of bad advice. I guess I could say like anyone that said that um, self-publishing is garbage and it's not real and you're not a real author if you do it that way and you have to be traditionally published. That's, yeah. No one really said that to me, but that's bad advice. It's like an overall kind of thing that you do tend to hear. So that's fine. Uh, what is the most surprising thing you learned about yourself after completing work on paint? Um. The most surprising thing that I learned about myself after uh, completing paint and rereading like the final draft is that um, I don't remember some of the stuff that I wrote and I reread some phrasing and you know, I'm not, I'm certainly not the next Mark Twain or Jane, um, uh, anyone, any classical poet or anything like that. But girl, she had some good sentences in there. And I said, oh, I'm a writer. Oh, I'm she's an author. Okay. It's, it's sentence structures. All right. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Uh, what do you hope your readers will take away from this story? Um, I hope that readers will take away if you only have one notion of drag, like, um, or none at all. Like if you just think it's, you know, just men in dresses or all you, your only perception of drag is um, what you've seen on TV on things like RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I hope that it really um, widened my audience's eyes as to what drag could be and who can do it because it's for everyone. Um, and just kind of gave a different perspective on, um, you know, queer life and, and the community in general and how we're all connected and we all need to support each other. Nice. I'm going to say I love it. Uh, so before I let you go, I want to ask you about that elevator pitch. And go ahead and pitch it for the people listening at home. Who's it? So, my elevator pitch. All right. So, Paint is a new adult uh, queer coming-of-age story. Um, follows Tucker as he uh, moves to the big city, has to uh, learn how to be a queer adult um, uh, by himself for the first time, um, discovers drag and love while trying to uh, pass college. Nice, nice, nice. There you go. If that tickles your pickle, that floats your boat, make sure to pick up paint. I'm going <laughs> to leave the description down below on the video 
on YouTube and on the podcast, which you can listen to on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We are global. We're everywhere. We're international now. Yes. You can call me Mr. 305. I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, before we let you go, Colin, where can my audience find you? You can find me just about everywhere. I'm on Facebook. Uh, my page, Colin Brooks Author, is there. Um, I'm on Instagram, at Colin Brooks Author. Um, Twitter, at Colin Brooks Off, because they wouldn't let me write author. Um, I'm on TikTok, uh, CB Author. Um, I'm just about everywhere. If you look me up, you can probably find me. That is one thing that I did notice about your name. It's like, not the like author part and I was like oh, why is he kidding yeah I didn't know what else to put I wanted it to be you know branding so I tried to keep it the same and it is what it is I feel it I feel it well thank you so much for stopping by and doing this do-over with me I, I appreciate you taking time out of your day it was a lot of fun thank you Andreas for stopping by and asking questions uh see you guys soon thank you <laughs> have a nice day everybody <laughs> <laughs> thank you bye <laughs>